0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. This evening, my message is entitled A Light. In Goshen. A light in Goshen. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together. We do so in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. And Father, we believe that we'll be conformed to the image of Jesus and become that for which he has apprehended us, and that we might be empowered, dear Father, to serve you well upon this earth in all that we think, say, and do. Be glorified in all things tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. A light in Goshen. In the book of Exodus is where we'll begin, chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. And here we read, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And then, in chapter 9 of the book of Exodus... We see, begin reading at verse 22. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And then finally, in the book of Exodus chapter 10, beginning at verse 21, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings in the land of Goshen. When uh, the Israelites were in Egyptian captivity, the Pharaoh gave them the land of Goshen to live in. And, And it was in that place where they lived that they were protected from the devastation that the Egyptians experienced from all the plagues. And, of course, we know the ten plagues that were in manifestation during that particular time. Well... In Goshen, we see they were protected from the flies. Now, the flies is talking about a god that the Egyptians worshipped, the shoe god. It was the god of the atmosphere. And what was sent were what is called dog flies and a mixture with other kind of insects there upon them. Well, this was something that was going to be protected for them, even from the dung beetle and the atmosphere god Shu. Well, God proved himself to be greater than any of the gods of the Egyptians by this manifestation of the dog flies that basically wreaked havoc with all the people. They were bitten by these flies and they were in torment by these flies or these dog flies. And as a result, of course, many lost their lives. These flies are capable of even killing animals when they attack in great numbers. Then, of course, there was secondly the what is called Newt God. And the new god or the goddess was supposed to protect them from anything in the sky, in the atmosphere. In other words, the sky god. And we see hell coming down. We see fire or thunder and lightning coming down from them or from heaven and destroying the people, the crops and everything else that was in its way. As a matter of fact, if you do a study on it, you find out it was extremely devastating to the land and also to the people and the livestock, all the animals and so on. But... In the land of Goshen, there were no dog flies. In the land of Goshen, there was no hail and there was no fire. They were all divinely protected by the hand of God, where God surrounded them with his presence and power and kept them free and delivered from the plagues. Thirdly, we see Ra, the sun god, worshipped by the Egyptian people, a god that was going to provide for them the light that they needed. Well... The darkness for three days and three nights was so thick that it was felt and the people could not see their hands in front of their faces. They could not see one another. There was no sunlight and there was no artificial light whatsoever. They couldn't even light a candle or anything of that nature. They were in complete and utter darkness for three days and three nights. But not in the land of Goshen. In the land of Goshen is where they had light. And we believe... It could possibly be the light of the glory of God, or that the sun was able to shine in Goshen, even though all around, in all throughout of Egypt, Goshen, there was no light. It was utter and absolute darkness. Well, you and I may not be in Goshen right now, but there's a better place that you and I are in. We are in Christ. Christ. And because we are in Christ, praise God, we can expect the God who delivered his people and protected his people in Goshen from all those plagues can also protect us even much more today because we have this relationship as sons and daughters of the Most High God and he has become our Heavenly Father. We may not be in Goshen, but we are in Christ. And in Christ we have protection and victory even over COVID-19 because greater is he, who is in us than he that is in the world. We believe protection from this can be as it was in Goshen by the hand of God in our lives today because we are in Christ. Now, of course, we should all take our proper health protections and, you know, we shouldn't stop there, though. We should rise up to the place that we continue to declare and proclaim the word of God in our lives, believing that he restores health to us and heals us every wound, of every wound if we should be attacked in any way. But also that we are divinely protected. No evil shall befall us or any plague come nigh our dwelling. And so once again, we don't want to limit things to what man can do, what medical science can do, or what even nature can do. We look to God to be greater, praise God, and we lift up the name above every name that we sung about here this evening, the name of Jesus that provides for us all that we need to be victorious in every area of our lives. Now, we should go beyond... What natural man can do to the place of victory in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want to share with you a little bit tonight about the victory that we have in Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and beginning at verse 57. This one verse we'll read. It says, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to point out four thoughts here from this verse of Scripture that I believe will help us to stand strong and firm in our fight of faith against every challenge that you and I could possibly face in this life. And the first one is the word victory. Notice the word victory. What does it mean? It means to win over an opponent, to win over an enemy, an adversary. In other words, God doesn't want us to live defeated lives. He wants us to be victorious. Winning is a powerful motivation For all of us, whether it's in sports, warfare, or whatever, it's a powerful motivation. We want to win. I remember some years ago, he's not that old, but some years ago, my son Dante was uh, playing football. In the youth league football against Avella. And during that particular time in that particular game, it was about to run out. The time was about to run out and the clock was about to go down to zero. But we were in a tie ball game. So the coach got into a huddle. And said, I want to come up with a play called a reverse. And what I want is for Dante to run that play. We're about 45 yards away from the goal line. He said, this is going to be our last ditch effort to try to score a touchdown to win this game. But with only seconds left in the game, it seemed like it was a difficult task. Because it was a hard-nosed play game. Well, as the clock began to run down and the ball was handed off to him. He runs around the right side and is going toward the goal line, and two individuals from Avella are parked right there in front of the goal line, and they're just waiting for him to come, and he puts down his head, and he basically gets right between the two of them and just inches his way into the goal line as the clock went down to zero. It was one of those moments where, like you've seen on television, where it's, you know it's already scripted and all that, that the clock ran down, all of a sudden he makes it in, and everybody in the stands just jumped out of the stands because of the victory that we had won. But all the way there, and I have to say this to you, all the way there, he is, the, he is quoting the verse of Scripture, I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. And you see, there's a reason why I'm saying that. Because before the game started, they saw this little individual who was the running back. And they kind of mocked him and made fun of him because he was so small. And I guess his reputation went before him and they heard of him and they thought, You're nothing. Look how little you are. Well, at the end of that game, when the game was over, they came up to him and said, We apologize for what we said to you and how we thought of you. You're really a wonderful ball player. And so I thought that was good sportsmanship. But my point is motivation to win is really strong in every individual. We don't want to live defeated lives, we don't want to live in fear. We don't want to be overcome. We want to be overcomers. We're not in Goshen, but we are in Christ. And in Christ, we are told we are world overcomers. And we are victorious. And so, once again, it's important that we understand that there is a strong desire within each and every one of us to win. And to be motivated to win. So, God doesn't want us defeated. He wants us to win. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Whether it's sickness and disease... In the realm of finances, in our marital relationships, in our families' lives, in our churches, wherever, whatever, we should be motivated to be victorious because Christ died for us to be victorious. This book of the law, Joshua is told, shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Notice this. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. How do we make our ways prosperous? How do we have success? Meditate the word by day and meditate the word by night. Keep it in our hearts. Keep it in our mouths. Declare it. Proclaim it. The world around us is screaming all kinds of uh, thoughts uh, that are evil, all kinds of thoughts of defeat. But God says, stick to my word. Stay with my word. These are the keys to success. Success. Meditate the word, keep it in the heart, proclaim what the word says, believe the higher report of the Lord, and praise God. Give him all the praise and the honor and the glory for a victorious life because you are not in Goshen, but you are in Christ Jesus, and so am I. Secondly, the next word is God gives us. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Victory is something that is given to us. We don't earn it on our own. It's not because of who we are and what we've done, but we experience victory in Christ because of what he did for us. Look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place always means at all times always means in all occasions always means repeatedly so in other words we're going to be challenged repeatedly in all kinds of different ways but he's telling us repeatedly we can be victorious we are made to triumph in christ jesus so this is something that god gives us he gives us the victory It's a gift that God gives to us to enjoy. But of course, it requires faith on our part to receive it. For example, the greatest gift given to mankind is the gift of salvation. Victory over sin, hell, spiritual death, and the grave is a gift to all mankind. The gift of Jesus. He gave us his only begotten son. The father did. Why? So that we can be victorious over our arch enemy, our greatest enemy, spiritual death, sin, and all that it brings to a human life. Thanks be unto God who has provided for us victory over this enemy of God and man. In first John chapter five, notice in verse four, we also understand that we've been given a gift of victory over the world and everything that is in the world. So once again, remember this, it's not your performance it's not my performance it's not something that we could provide for ourselves it's something that we just act on knowing that the gift was given to us through christ for whatsoever is born of god overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world well what is the victory even our faith why is it called faith because it's not in ourselves it's in someone else it's his achievements his accomplishments all the things that he did for us In His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, seating at the right hand of the majesty on high after obtaining eternal redemption for us. All that we have in Christ Jesus is a gift. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So in actuality, what he's trying to communicate to us is this. Victory in this world comes not by who we are, but by who he is. Not by what we've done, but by what he did. We just happen to believe it. And exalted above the circumstances that we're going through in this life. And that's faith. Our believing that what he has done is greater than what the enemy is doing or trying to accomplish in any one of our lives. And so in this world, God is saying to us, there's victory provided for you. Just tap into it and enjoy it. The third word I want to bring out is the fact that it's given through Christ. It is given through Christ. Victory, once again, comes through Christ. Look in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33, and this is found in the Amplified version of the Bible. It's actually AMPC, which is the classic version of the Amplified. There's a new version that's out. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Why? For I have overcome the world. Well, what good is that? He overcame the world. He goes on to say, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Meditate on that for a while. Selah. Think about it. He has overcome the world for each and every one of us not for himself he didn't have to he was already lord of all but he came to die for each and every one of us so that the world's powers would not have any power over his followers and so thank god he has denied the world the right to rule over our lives and dominate our lives and bring defeat into our lives whether through a sin sickness disease or whatever it is that can come against us in this life a demon spirit of power, any world of darkness, whatever it might be, praise God, in Jesus we have victory and we have triumph. But it's through Christ, not ourselves. Look at Philippians chapter 2. We sing about this tonight. Chapter 2 beginning at verse 5. Let this mind be in you. In other words, adjust our way of thinking. Stop thinking the way the devil wants us to think. Stop thinking the way the world wants us to think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we're told in Scripture, we have the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death of the cross, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Notice, Jesus did his part, and the Father did his part. He highly exalted him. He has given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things or beings in heaven... "...and things or beings in the earth, or things and beings under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Notice, victory is in Jesus. It's all that he accomplished for us. The name that was given to him was given to him because of his obedience to die the death on the cross... And provide eternal redemption for us. We see this clearly in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, the fifth chapter. When John was up there in heaven and in that place of glory, there is no one found to take the book or to loose the seals thereof. And so John the Beloved began to weep much, it says, because no man in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth was found worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof. Well, one of the elders saith unto him, Weep not, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he's prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, he said, in the midst of the thrones of the Lamb, as he had been slain, having seven eyes and seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth in all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders, fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints and they sung a new song saying worthy is the lamb that was slain hallelujah why to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing why he redeemed us to god by his blood out of every kindred tongue people nation made us kings and priests before our god why is it stated that way It's to let the whole world know there's no other man, there's no other name. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's only one deliverer, his name is Jesus. There's only one redeemer, his name is Jesus. And he's the one that got us the victory for every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation. Doesn't matter where on the four corners of the earth, praise God, Jesus is the way to victory. His name is above every name. And he went on to say, as I was there about the throne, he saw angels. The number of it was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And listen to this. Every creature in heaven, every creature on earth, every creature under the earth and such as are in the sea. Heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power. Be unto him who sits upon the throne and of the Lamb forever. And the beast said, Amen. The four and twenty elders said, Amen. We say, Amen as well. There is only one Savior. There's only one Redeemer. There's only one worthy Lamb. There's only one who paid the price. There's only one who was victorious over death, over hell, over the grave. There's only one who could say, I'm he that liveth, means he was from ancient of days. And behold, I was dead, and I'm alive now forevermore. And I hold the keys, the authority of death and of hell. His name is Jesus. What a wonderful name. What a glorious name. COVID-19 is a name, but I want us all to know tonight there is a name above every name. No matter what that name is, We're told in Scripture, it's got to bow. This is where our faith level must rise. We've got to believe and be confident in the victory that Jesus had over all these powers of darkness, over all the sickness and diseases of the world. We must believe in His victory. It's not us or up to us to overcome it in any way we can. He's already done it for us. He bore those stripes upon his back on Calvary's cross and with his stripes we were healed. That's the report of the Lord. His spirit who raised him from the dead dwells in us to quicken our mortal bodies and give them life. He said, my words are life to you and health to all of your flesh. He said, I sent my word to heal you and deliver you from all your destructions. Think about that. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and wonderful works to the children of men and sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. What's left to do is for us to sacrifice thanksgiving. To thank him for delivering us. To thank him for healing us. To thank him for setting us free. To thank him for the Holy Ghost who raised Jesus from the dead to quicken our mortal bodies and give them life and health. That is our duty and responsibility. Doesn't it remind you of the days of Jehoshaphat when three armies were coming against them? The devil, the world, the flesh coming against them to wipe Judah off the planet. The Spirit of God spoke to one of the prophets who spoke out and said, You don't got to fight in this battle. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is yours. So what did they do? They sent out the praise and worship team. The power of praise and worship is undeniable. You see, he's already won the victory for us all we've got to do is shout the praise. And sometimes I think we get messed up because we think we've got to earn it. There's something that we have to do. We've got to say it enough times and so on and so forth. We should rest in the fact that the victory is ours. We should operate from the place of victory, not the place of defeat. And shout the praises of God, hallelujah, until the glory falls. And the power of God in display and manifestation delivers either a sin-sick soul or a body that's in need of healing and help. Praise God. And that brings me to our last point. Ongoing victory is our reason to be thankful. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should be constantly giving him thanksgiving and praise for the victory that we have through him. Look in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 18. Here we read, by the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The only sacrifice we are called upon as believers in the New Testament to make is the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. We're to constantly be giving thanks to the Lord pray without ceasing yes but also in everything give thanks unto the Lord we can thank him praise God for a wonderful day he's made for us to rejoice and be gladdened we can thank him for his faithfulness at night and loving kindness in the morning we can thank him that no weapon formed against us can prosper in any way we can thank him for surrounding us and our loved ones with bars that are made hard the bars of our gates made hard by the hand of God to protect us from within. We thank God that a barrier can be set up in the spiritual realm to keep us the valley protected and safe. We're not in Goshen, but we are in Christ. What a better place to be than in Goshen. Because you see, we've got the glory on the inside in these jars of clay. We've got the power of God within. He's able to do for us exceeding abundantly. above all the we ask or think how, according to the power of God that's efficiently active and operative within our lives, it's up to us to draw from that power, to draw from that ability and release it with thanksgiving and praise as it rises up from our toes and through our souls and we express it through words of blessing, honor. And praise to our King of kings and Lord of lords. Another verse of scripture is found in Colossians chapter 1. This is the apostle's prayer. The apostle Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae. He says that you might walk worthy of the Lord is his prayer. unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might. According to his glorious power and all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Part of it is this, who delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the remission of sins. Oh, praise God. What a reason to give thanks to God. We've been redeemed by the blood. We have an inheritance among the saints of light. We are accepted in the beloved. We are children of the most high God. Praise God, he's living big in each and every one of our lives, doing his will and his good pleasure. It's up to us to recognize these blessed truths and realize that faith is nothing more than a rest. We cease from our labors, we rest in his labors, and we thank him for what he's done and we rise up to higher places of faith and revelation in doing so. And so once again, praise God. Ongoing victory is a reason for us to be thankful. The more thankful that we are, the greater the manifestation of the power and glory of God within our lives. When we thank him for something before we see it, we're operating in faith. He loves it. He loves to watch us live by faith and walk in faith. It blesses his heart. Because you see, that's what really pleases God. It means we trust him. It means we cast our care upon him knowing he's handling the situation. We commit our way to the Lord. We trust in him and he will bring it to pass. All we have to do is say, thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for hearing me. I thank you, dear Father God, for your intervention in my life. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to be anxious. I want to shout the victory because I know you're more than enough to handle the situation that I just gave to you in prayer. Remember Paul, the apostle said, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and keep your mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then start thinking on things that are good, lovely, trustworthy. Think on things that are of good report. If there's any virtue or praise, think on these things because he knows that that's the battlefield right there. Don't go back to thinking what the problem is. Thinking about the solution is what's going to bring victory. I thank God. I've given it to him. i committed it to him. I trust in him like you would your banking institution. And I know he is bringing it to pass. And when the devil comes along and just says, well, it's not going to happen. It's too late. I've already prayed. I've already asked. And now he's at work. You're too late. I'm just going to thank him for the victory that I have in Jesus. Look at another verse of scripture that kind of echoes some of the things we're talking about. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. This chapter is a wonderful chapter in the Bible. It begins with there's no condemnation. And it ends with there's no separation from the love of God. No condemnation. No separation. It repeats some of the things that we talked about. Number one. Our victory is found in Christ. Look what it says. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Notice How? We're more than a conqueror. We're more than a conqueror through Him who loves us. You know, over the years I've taught this many times, and maybe we've got some different viewers that are out there. You never heard this illustration before. But what does it really mean to be more than a conqueror? Isn't it enough to conquer? Well, we understand that when David conquered Goliath, he was the victorious one. But let's just say that there was a a purse to be had. In that battle, that epic of battle between David and Goliath. If they were out there and if they were betting people, and you saw the two, the size of Goliath and David, this ruddy little boy at 15 years old, around that age, a teenager, who would you bet on? Let's just say that there was a $30 million purse. Who would you bet on? I think in a natural, everybody would put their money on Goliath. My goodness, his weaponry. Weighs more than what David does. He's got someone to carry his shield for him. It's so big. But there he is, clad in all of his armor, ready to do battle. He's going to fight David. He believes he's going to be victorious. Well, you know the story. It ends up that David defeats Goliath. He's the overcomer. He's the conqueror. And that's wonderful. But he still had to get out there. He still had to do what he had to do. He had to get his sling on and so on and so forth and believing in God for the victory. And he did. Let's just say that it was a prize fight and you were actually boxing. And maybe the purse was a $30 million purse. And you maybe got beat up a little bit, but you won the fight. You were the conqueror. And that's wonderful. Well, what's more than a conqueror? Isn't it enough to be a conqueror? Well, I don't know about you, but I, this sits well with me. When David, if he was married, went home, and there was a $30 million purse. or oh, the boxer went home with a $30 million purse. And he walks into his house and says, honey, I conquered. Here's the $30 million. And she takes it out of his hands and says, thank you. She's more than a conqueror. She didn't have to fight. Not throw one blow whatsoever. All she did was take the money. You know what? Jesus fought for us. Jesus defeated the enemy For us. He's the conqueror. But the more than a conqueror. We didn't have to do the battle that he did. We didn't have to go to the cross like he did. We didn't have to be at the rock. In the garden. In prayer sweating. As if it were blood. To do what he did. He said you've not resisted. Unto blood against sin. But he did. And you know what? When he emerged victorious. From the grave. You know what we're told? We were raised up together with him. Every single one of us, raised together with him, made to sit with him in high heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He took us from the lowest place to the highest place, and he did all the fighting for us to make it possible. In Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Why? Because he loved us. That's another point. He loved us enough to do this for us. Another thing we point out in that verse of scripture, in all these things, all these things is talking about something that's pervasive. Everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever life can bring our way, whatever the devil can throw our way, whatever comes our way in this life, we are told, praise God, we are more than conquerors through him. This is where the victory lies in Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. All the things he's talking about. This is because of God's great love for each and every one of us that were these overcomers. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's his love for us that moved him from heaven to the cross... Where he suffered and died for every single one of us. If he gave us his son. We are told in scripture. How will he not also freely give us all things. And so because of his great love for us. We can expect to walk in the realm of victory. Actually walking in love is the realm of the miraculous. When we really know how much God loves us. And understand his overwhelming love for us. And realize he will never leave us. Forsake us or fail us in any way. It gives us confidence to believe. That here's our Father, right by our side, ready, willing, and able, and eagerly yearning to bring us to the place of victory. Hallelujah. Thank God. Well, here's our summary. Number one, it is God who gives us the victory. His right arm and hand, stretched out arm, hath gotten us the victory. It doesn't come by who we are or our performance. It comes... Because of who he is and what he has done. Number two, Christ is the one who makes us more than conquerors. We're not conquerors in ourselves. We don't have the strength, the stamina. We don't have the ability to overcome the powers of the devil, the world, and the flesh. Even the flesh that we contend with every single day is to be crucified, but not on our own strength. We can only do it through Christ, who is the strength of our lives. Number three, victory is a free gift. It's not something that we earn. It's something that's given to us in Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So even the faith that you and I operate in doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from God himself. He gives us all the measure of faith in the beginning of our walk. We all start with the same measure of faith, and then as we study the Word of God, and meditate the Word of God, and build the truths of God's Word and the works of Jesus into our hearts, our faith level rises and grows exceedingly. But that's on us. It's up to us to do our part to grow in faith. And also by trial and error. We step out of the boat like Peter did. We begin to walk on the water like Peter did. If we begin to fail, he'll hold us and keep us up because we're attempting to get out there and walk like you would a child that's learning to walk. But then he expects us at some point in our lives to rise up to a higher plane in place of faith and walk without doubt and unbelief and be victorious. Also, ours is an always victory. He always, at all times and in all things, repeatedly causes of us to triumph. He does it. We just apply the faith principle. He does it. How does that faith come? developing intimacy with God just like David did under the stars watching his father's sheep throughout the day or throughout the night where he just stood there lifting his eyes up to heaven as a shepherd of the sheep came up with the 23rd Psalm I'm the shepherd of these sheep I lay down my life for these sheep I give myself if it's a lion if it's a bear I will defend the sheep because I love the sheep I'm responsible to my Father, and I will lay down my life if need be. Well, Lord, he said, I'm the shepherd of these sheep. Who's my shepherd? Who's my shepherd? Who watches over me the way I watch over these sheep? And of course, he was inspired to write the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's the one that makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and so on. And that's how he came up with it. He realized, if I as a human being, and that committed, and think about it, even a teenager, and that committed to be willing to lay down my life to save one sheep from a lion or from a bear, how much more is my Heavenly Father willing to help me in my time of need? That's how faith is developed. Victory also is an expression of God's love, we said Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. God so loved every single one of us and will always love us. His love has been exhausted, poured out to its very end. There's no more he could possibly give because there's greater love, has no man than this, that a man laid on his life for his friends. And he did that. Look at this. We were all dead in sins and trespasses, we are told in the prior verses. But while we're in that state, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins has quickened us or made us alive together with Christ, by grace are you saved. And it goes on to say he raised us up and made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he'll show us the exceeding greatness of his love toward us. Think about that and his grace. Yep, God's not done with us. There's coming a time when we're going to have a full revelation of the manifestation of the love of God. And what a powerful force it is. And finally, thankfulness is our key to continued victory. That's all that's left for us to do. The work's already been done. The provision has already been made. What he wants us to do is to thank him. There's a verse in Psalm 121, uh, 118 verse 21, that says, I will praise thee, Because you heard me and you have become my saving strength or salvation. I'm praising you in advance because I know you heard my request and you are my saving strength. That's what faith is all about. Having the belief that the God who is in us and the God that we serve is greater than the forces that are around us. Amen. In our conclusion, we're not like the Israelites in the land of Goshen. By no means. But we are in Christ. And there's no greater place to be. Than in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him. We become new creations. In him. Praise God. We live. We move. We have our being. In him. We're more than conquerors. In him. We're world overcomers. In him. We're the righteousness of God. In Christ. And the list goes on. And on. And on. About who we are. In Him, If you had your choice, would you rather be in Goshen? There's a light in Goshen. But there's a greater light that's in you and me. It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the light of God's glory that we have in earthen vessels or jars of clay. And praise God, we can all walk in the light of who we are in him. We can be assured that if God protected the Israelites in Goshen, that our Father will protect us in this life in which we live from COVID-19 or anything else that comes our way. Praise God. I pray that blessed you and that'll encourage your faith to rise up, go forth, and believe God together with all of us. And you know what? We're believing for this to be dispelled, this darkness, praise God, dispelled. We're believing not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith and walk in victory because that's who we are. We're a victorious church. That's what he's coming for. A church without spot. A without blemish. A victorious church that rises above the adversity based on the word of God. Well, praise God.